0: Well, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Welcome to our first service of our four-part series on what is next. And if you're wondering what's next, it's really easy. Next, next class. If you've never been to Next, every Sunday at 9 a.m., we walk through all of these steps of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, making a difference. And we want to help you be the best you that you can be. And we want you to have that life that Jesus said that's more abundant. And so we encourage you, if you've never been to Next, uh, that's happening now right in the last room on the right and you can pick it up today You can pick it up next week and also want you to know those of you that are under the age of 18 We have youth connect upstairs right now. And so um, You go up those steps and selena you could probably slip in there. Or you could stay here whatever you want to do but But um, we have a class that's been taking place each week for the teens on sunday morning And so we're happy for them and grateful for for all the people that are involved in that so what's next? We're gonna skip over that video clip, by the way. Um, We've been talking about all the different aspects of of what it is to be a Christian. Why does the church exist? And to know God, it's not just An intellectual knowledge, a college degree. It's not enough. To know in in the whole biblical language means to know in your heart, to know through experience, to encounter God. You might say, Yeah, I know God. I know about Him. I believe in Him. I know that. That's not what we're talking about. Have you ever known what it is to experience the love of God, the peace of God? That you're you're in a moment where you're in a desperate situation, or maybe you're just having an average day and you're just like God, I just want you to know I love you. And you you just know that that presence of Jesus is there in the moment, that you know that the God of all the universe is right there with you. That's the kind of know that we're talking about. And it's so easy to wear masks and to give our best foot forward with God, but he already knows who we are. Adam and Eve, you go back to the story, what are they doing? They're hiding behind fig leaves. And we still do it to this day. And God wants us to know that he knows us. And when we begin to know him, we begin to know ourselves better. We begin to have an open, bare, honest relationship with God. And we talked about finding freedom, that it's not just vertical. This is the problem that most people in church and Christianity have for the existence of their Christian walk. They turn to God for forgiveness, and rightly so, but they don't turn to people for freedom. God embedded this process so that in order for you to find freedom, you have to, you have to have other people involved in your life. You need the voices of others speaking in your life, saying, hey... What were you doing? Why were you doing that? You know? or, or somebody coming alongside you and saying, hey, listen, you're not as bad as you think you are right now. And we all need encouragement. We all need um, to be exhorted in the right direction. And here's the thing. Not every problem, this is the problem. Some, some people, and maybe some of you here this morning, you're like, God, please help me with my anger issue. Lord, help me with my lust issue. Lord, help me with whatever it is that you're struggling with. And you're going there. If it's not getting solved... It's because God is sending you a message and saying, I don't solve those problems that way. I solve them this way. And you need somebody like James says, confess your sins one to another. And we talked about how some problems are like a combination lock. And sometimes it's not like one person has the key or God has the key and he's gonna give it to you. It's, it's like a combination, three right, six left, 17 right, and sometimes three different people have each of those numbers. And sometimes it takes a couple of attempts to get that right. But Proverbs says it like this the one who isolates themselves seeks their own desire. In fact, who is the animal on the, on the fields of the Serengeti Plain that gets eaten alive? It's always that one buck that is like off on their own, wandering off. And so God is embedded into this process of this thing called Christianity, of this thing called the body of Christ, that you need other people in your life to look at you and say, you are off, or you are on, or you can make it. And we need people to help do that. And last week we talked about discovering purpose and not to belabor that whole point or even this whole process but listen you're not defective you're designed and you are a simple empty vessel that god wants to pour into you there is nothing about us that is special and that should be a comfort to us sometimes we work so much on our image and our persona and our skill set and our but god is not looking for gold vessels and silver vessels he's looking for empty vessels that will allow themselves to be cleaned so that he can use them. And what do you do with your dishes? You throw them in the sink, right? And then maybe you throw them in the dishwasher, but every time you use them, for the most part, you wash them, right? And that's the same thing with our life and discovering purpose. We're on an ongoing process of God continuing to clean us, to make us vessels of honor that God could use us. And we have a journey. We're a piece to the puzzle. God is trying to show you where you fit. It's not always a once-and-done snap-in kind of a thing. And sometimes it's the bigger purpose that God has for your life, the bigger picture that he has for you in the way that he's designed you. Maybe it's not like he has called you to show love to the people on the Serengeti plain of the Mobutu tribe. No, maybe God has designed you and your purpose is to show the love of God to whoever he brings into your world sometimes we make it too specific and too detailed that we get the point and we miss the purpose that God has for us and that's what I want to talk to you today stepping it beyond purpose and beginning to take that purpose that God's given you and make a difference I want to pray one more time that God would help me here Father There's no superstar preachers. There's no great orators. They're just people used by you. And that's what I asked this morning. To you use me in your own simple way, in my own simple way, to speak life and purpose so that we'd make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the fact that you are called to make an eternal difference You're called to make an eternal difference. Notice how I worded this. I didn't say you were born to make a difference. Of course you were born to make a difference. Everybody wants to make a difference. But it's more than that. You were born to make eternal differences with your temporal life because you serve an eternal God, because you are an eternal being. You know the phrase where it says, YOLO, you only live once? That was a big thing back in 2011. It's not true. It's YALT, you only live twice. The Bible says that everyone is appointed to die and then the judgment, that when we die, we begin to live, that Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and how we live and conduct ourselves in this life will determine what the life is, to come is going to be like for us and where it's going to be like for us and God calls you and I in the little dash of our life to make a difference with that dash in this world well one of the poster children of this in the Bible is Queen Esther if you look in the Old Testament and it's in a time this girl was beautiful by the way Esther is an example of how God ordains some people to be beautiful like me that's right <laughs> That's right, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. But, but Esther was beautiful and it was because of her beauty that God selected her as to be beautiful, because it was that beauty that brought her into the presence of a pagan king, and in a moment of crisis, there was a man that was working against the people of God to try and wipe them off the face of the earth to murder them through genocide. Adolf Hitler is nothing new this has been happening to god 's people all throughout history it happened to the early church it's happened to it 's happening to Christians today throughout the world, and it 's happened to the Jewish people all throughout history as well this is nothing new, and in this moment she has an uncle who 's a godly man and he says Esther it's really nice that you're in the palace it's wonderful that you're enjoying a wonderful life I really am happy for you that you have the best of the perfumes and you have the best of the best for your family and you have the wonderful comforts of all the things this life would have to give but maybe God has something more for you maybe you have been called to the kingdom for such time as this listen to this Esther four fourteen. He says to he says to his he says to his niece he says listen the time has come to speak up for if you keep silent at this time relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place but if you and your father's house will per, but you and your father's house will perish and who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this have you ever stopped to think that the place that you're in your life the resource that is in your life The reason that you are in your life is because God has a purpose for your life, and that purpose is to make a difference, that God wants to leverage who you are and all you are and all you have and all you can do, not to make a difference for your own comfort, but to make a difference for eternity, to change the world one life at a time. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, he has set eternity inside your heart. Eternity is this thing, if I say eternity, you're like, yep, yep, I get it, I get it. No, you don't, no, you don't. Eternity is like that thing that is right in your reach, but you can't quite grab it. You look up at the stars, and you hear that many of them have gone out a long time ago, and yet there's a God that says that he measures the star with the span of his hand. From the tip of the thumb to the tip of the pinky, he says, pew. Here's from the Milky Way to the Andromeda Galaxy. And yet, God has put eternity inside of you. There's something inside of every human being that gnaws at them, that they understand that eternity is out there, that there's more to this life. Even people outside of the faith have that gnawing angst that's like, is there more to this? And look at how James puts it. Chapter 4, verse 14. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time. And then vanishes. Listen, you know how everybody says you have your whole life before you know you don't. No you don't. You have a little dash to dial in, to make a difference for eternity you're not here by accident. God wants to help you find purpose so that when you find that purpose and you understand what your song is, what your voice is, what your purpose is, what your what your expression of how he shaped you that you begin to make a difference not just for yourself, but for everybody that God puts around you in the context that he set you to make a difference. There's a very famous photograph that was taken by a guy by the name of Kevin Carter. And it's up there, it's on the screen, it's here, it's over on that uh, table over there. Very, very famous photograph. How many of you have seen this before, this photograph? Yeah. You might have seen this photograph, but you might not have heard the story. Back in the 80s, Ethiopia was experiencing horrific famine. And in fact, there were concerts that rose up to raise money all around the world to help bring relief because an entire, uh, entire section of the continent of Africa was dying because they weren't getting food. They weren't getting drink. And so Kevin Carter was a South African. His whole life, he was a part of a thing called the Bang Bang Club. They were were photographers that wanted to snap and show the world violence, show what the real truth was behind the horrors of war, behind the horrors of famine. And so they would travel from place to place to place. He had this friend, Ken, who he admired. Ken had a wife. Kevin didn't. Ken had a home. Kevin barely made rent. Ken had a steady income. Kevin struggled to just pay ends meet and sometimes his phone was on and sometimes it wasn't. And it was like he admired Ken. And one day Ken went out and he got uh, he went out into a to, to capture a particular outbreak of, of violence and racism. And while he was there, he didn't just capture it with his camera; he caught it with his life. He was killed. The rest of his days, Ken uh, Ke- Kevin kept reminiscing. A oh, man, Ken was better than me. Ken, get, well, I, it should have been me. It should it it, it it shouldn't have been Ken. It should have been me. Why was why did this happen to him? And so famine broke out in Ethiopia. He goes up. He's outside, and the story goes like this. There's some conflicting versions to this but what we do know is that he came to this moment and he saw a little girl that was trying to make her way to the feeding station and as he was there a vulture landed on the ground he waited for about five minutes hoping that it would spread its wings but it never did so after about five minutes he had clicked several pictures realizing that it was never going to happen he he ended the shot Now here's where the conflict of of the story happens. One person says that he went up and he kicked the vulture away. Another says that he went under a tree and just smoked a cigarette. The other part of the story that we do know is that that child eventually made it to the feeding station. Whether she lived or died, we don't know. But Kevin sent in his picture, landed with the committee, and he got a phone call. Mr. Carter, congratulations. What? congratulations, I'm here to call you to tell you that you are a Pulitzer Prize winner. He goes, huh? Pulitzer Prize. That was his ambition his whole life, to be a Pulitzer Prize winner. And now he's on the phone, he's like, Pulitzer Prize, well, I can't pay my rent, I can't pay my phone, in fact, my phone was off yesterday, it's on today, it might not be here tomorrow, like, and she says to him, she says, Mr. Carter, did you hear what I just said? You're a Pulitzer Prize winner. Your problems are going to go away. You're famous. He hung up the phone. He went and he collected his Pulitzer Prize. And a matter of a couple of months later, he ended up taking his life. And he wrote in his suicide letter, he goes, no money for rent, no money for phone, horrors, war, terror, no hope. I go now to my friend Ken, hopefully I will see him. Hopefully, I'm good enough to go there. End of story. His whole purpose in life was to become a Pulitzer Prize winner. And when he finally reached that moment, he couldn't even celebrate it. And I would propose to you this. The reason why is because so many people put so much stock in things that don't matter for eternity. To make your whole life existence, to be about when I get this job, when I get this income, when I get this degree, when I get this wife, when I get this husband, when I get this off my back, when I get this in my life. And we look at all these different things, and we and the, the truth of the matter is, is if we were to weigh in a scale, what things in your life weigh in eternally versus temporal? Where would the adjustments be? Because this kind of life is a hollow life. God has called you to make a difference, not just a difference, but an eternal difference. And here's, here's a quote worth repeating. It's this, if you lose your why, and when I say why, why do we live as Christians? Why do we serve the Lord? Why do we do these things? Because is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Reward for our life that we live for Christ is real. When you lose your why, though, friend, the reality of eternity, you will lose your way you'll lose your way. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Listen, I want to challenge you right from the beginning in this message for you to begin to reflect on the inventory of your life and ask you, what, where does eternity weigh in on how I live my life? how I conduct my life, how I use my resource, how I I spend my time, how I invest my life. Am I living for things that Christ never died for? Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job, and I'm not telling you to quit your ambitions, but are you leveraging those for the glory of God? Are you weighing in with the dash of your life on eternal value? Because nobody's promised it. I may die a 90-year-old man, or I may leave here this morning and die in a car accident, and that would be the end of it. You may die an old woman, or you may leave here and you might die of cancer next year. Nobody has promised anything, but in that dash, we're given time to make a difference for eternity you my friend were called to make a difference for eternity you're called to make an eternal difference and that's the point of your life to discover your purpose and use that for God's glory to make a difference an early church father by the name of Jerome there's a famous picture of him and in that picture it's in actually the church of of the nativity in Bethlehem and he has a Bible in his hand and then at his feet you see a skull. And this actually tells the whole story of his life. See, Jerome was one of the early church fathers and there wasn't a good Latin version of the Bible. There was a Latin version which was the common language of that day, but there wasn't a good one. And so he said, I am going To put God's word in the hands of people The the grass fades The the flowers wither But the word of the Lord stands firm forever I'm going to totally give the world A translation of the Bible In the language of the people So that they can actually understand What God wants to say to them And so he went into a basement of this church And for years he learned The original languages of the Bible He wrote and rewrote a translation And finally when he was done He came up with the Latin Vulgate But when he was down there in the basement, when he was down there in his spot that you can go into it, every single day on his desk he kept a live human skull. That's an oxymoron, live human skull. I just totally caught that, by the way. It's not live. But he kept a human skull. And the reason, and the reason that he did this is because he wanted to remind himself that he has only a handful of years and he is going to go the way of all the earth and that his life needed to matter for something more. And when he did it, he said, you know what? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands firm forever. If I devote my life to the word of the Lord and to giving it and to give it for generation after generation, my life will not be a wasted life. And his version of the Bible stood strong for almost an entire millennium. It went all the way up until the 1600s with the Gutenberg press because of the work that he did. Why? Because he understood that God called him to make a difference. He knew his shape. He knew that he was a scholar. He knew that he was a person of God's word. He knew that he could do the job. And so what did he do? He said, God, here's my life, not my will, your will be done, and he applied himself to it. What's your purpose? What's your gift? What's your shape? Are you musical? Are you you a person that is very empathetic and can weep with those who weep? Are you that kind of person that you have an engineering mind and you see problems that are easily solved for you but are impossible? for others to solve. How has God shaped you? Because God wants you to know your fingerprint, to know your design, to know your shape, and leverage it to make a difference for eternity. There's no snowflake the same. There's no fingerprint alike. But you have purpose, my friend. And that purpose is to be leveraged for the glory of God to make a difference for eternity. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, it reads this way. For many whom... I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. That's, in other words, he's saying the things that they crave, they worship those things. They give their time to it. They give their money to it. They give their talent to it. Their belly is their God. Their glory is their shame. Their minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is of heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, living for eternity is what God's called us to. Look at this section, go back a couple of verses here. I want you to see this point that I'm trying to make here is this. To make a difference, you need to know your residence. To make a difference, you need to know your residency. See, our residency is, our citizenship is in heaven. That's what the Bible says. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. It says this, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. It almost seems strange for me to say this to you, but your home is not your home. This life is not your life. This point is not the point. That you will die, you will stand before God, give an account of what you did with what he gave. Because your citizenship is not here. It's eternal. It's eternal. Imagine if I travel like Carrie right now. Carrie is in Australia. They're collecting her father's goods, who's passed away, he's died. They're collecting his paperwork. They're closing off accounts. They're closing off um, his ministry. It's a very, very hard, hard time for them. But imagine if all of a sudden they just decide to start buying things and store them in the hotel. Imagine if you go to a foreign country and you visit Costa Rica or um, Bolivia or uh, France or... England and while you're there you just see a wonderful dresser and and uh, bed set and you're like this is awesome I'm totally gonna buy it and you buy it and you bring it back to hotel and then you go out and then you see like this incredible new fashion line in France and you're like and you have the resource and you're like this is amazing I would look so wonderful or you would look so wonderful honey or man you'd look so handsome and you go out and you buy like 50 suits and 50 outfits and 150 pairs of shoes for you shoemongers out there, and you bring it back and you just totally pile up everything in your room, in your hotel, and then the time comes for you to hop on a plane and go back. How are you going to get that there? If you were to get those things in this life and you really wanted those things, you know what you would do? You'd ship those things back to your place of residency and I think that you get the point of what I'm trying to tell you is is that God is saying hey stop investing so heavy in a place that is temporal and start shipping to the place of your true residency which is eternity and begin to make a difference with your life because that's the point you weren't here to just pass the time you were here to make a difference and look at this Look at this point that I want to make here. If you lose your where, you will lose your why. If you lose the fact, that where your citizenship is, eternity, heaven, you will lose the why of eternity. Why should I bother living like this? Why should I give my resource to the kingdom of heaven? Why should I step out of my comfort zone and go on a missions trip? Why should I give my time to people I should be giving it to my family? Why should I do this? Why should I serve in church? Why should I help with that? Why should I bother with my neighbor? You know why? Because... Your where is not here, it's there. Your where is there. If you lose your where, your citizenship is, you'll lose your why, which is eternity. Our citizenship is not of this world. We are called to be eternal and we have a temporal life to discover our shape and make a difference in this world. And God wants to use you. And some of you and many of you in this church, you dialed into this. You're like, I don't feel like I have that much to offer, but whatever I have, God, it's yours, use me. If I, if I could heal a heart, if I, I can't preach, but I can serve, I can't serve, but you know what? I totally have an ability to keep people safe and I have a good eye, I can totally serve on security. You know what? I totally love connecting with people and I wanna open up my home to a small group. Or you know what? I totally feel that God's calling me to the mission field. We may very well lose some of our pastors over time because they're going to move from here to somewhere else because their citizenship is not and of this church they don't belong to us they belong to Jesus There are some of you in this church that God might bite and say you know what it's time to make a difference for eternity and you'll say you know what instead of me just sitting around collecting 15 percent I'm going to spend myself for the glory of God God wants to use you to make an eternal difference. He's calling you to make a difference. If you want to make a difference, though, to make a difference, you can't ring the bell. You can't ring the bell. To make a difference, you can't ring the bell. One of the most elite military groups in the world, the Navy SEALs, if you were to ask... All the military groups, they will banter and they will fight and they will argue and uh, if you're here and you'd be like, the, Ar- and you're in the army, you'd probably be like, Army Rangers, baby, Army Rangers, you know, or if you're in the Marine Corps, you'd probably be like, Delta Force, Delta Force, where is it? But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, the most elite fighting force in the world is the Navy SEAL Team Six. They were the ones, in fact, who got Osama bin Laden. The United States government, the president of the United States, and even the Department of Defense is not allowed to publicly speak of what they do. And in fact, right now, all over the world, my friend's son is a part of a team where they drop him in places where we say we're not gathering information, gathering bad guys. All that kind of stuff is constantly going on around the world. But in order for you to be a part of this team, you have to go through a thing called Hell Week. That's what they call it, is Hell Week. And when you go through this hell week, they do all kinds of things. They, they give you, uh, literally, you have six days and you're only allowed four hours of sleep. Six days and four hours of sleep. You have things like you're put to the brink of hypothermia. You're, you're underwater far beyond what you're capable of doing. You're woken up in the middle of the night constantly with live rounds of gunfire. And there in many, many times when it comes to this training, they will have as many as 70 men enter into this phase of the boot camp, the final phase of it, and only sometimes six will graduate. Seventy people, six graduate. That's how intense this group is. And each time that they're doing this, they all have basically a basic hat. And the whole time they say, listen, not everybody's cut out for this. But if you feel that you can't handle it, if you can't take it, if you can't cut it, if it's too hard for you, all you need to do is go up to this bell and we'll have it here every day. And all you need to do is take off your hat, sit it down, and ring this bell three times. The second that you do that, you have exited any opportunity for the rest of your life to ever be part of this fighting group known as the Navy SEALs. And when I I look at this, I, it, they put them through hell week. Do you hear that? Hell week. How many of you, when you gave your life to Christ, have experienced difficulty, trial, loss, sorrow, disease, sickness? Cancer all of these different things and listen if you don't think that hell wants you to bring out of this thing called eternity If you don't think that hell wants to keep you from discovering purpose or saying it's okay You can you can know God you can find freedom You can totally even discover your purpose But I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you don't do the final place where God wants you to reach is for The rest of your life to make a difference for eternity He's going to do everything he can to get you to ring out every day. He's going to be speaking in your ear You're not worth it. You don't have what it takes You're not smart enough You're not good enough You don't have anything to offer You deserve better than this You don't have to sacrifice for that What do you mean? It's not about them It's about you You've worked hard to have this And the old time Hell is telling you You don't have to Listen, just Just live your life It's okay You love Jesus You can do it Just go up here Just ring out three times Take a break, step away. And when I think about this reality, I think about a verse in the book of Revelations where the Apostle Paul, or where the Apostle John is speaking to the early church and he says this, he says, you need to watch out. Jesus says this, I am coming soon. Hold fast so that no one may seize your crown. Hell wants to take your eternal purpose away from you, your reward from you. He wants to get you to, discuss, to know God. He will be satisfied with you, maybe even finding freedom. He might have peace with you discovering your purpose But hell definitely does not want you to make a difference And they'll be like listen you don't you don't have to go through this You can just totally ring out you don't have to sacrifice You don't have to go and make you know what There are people that are going into ministry and going into life and going It's like a startup they step out there and they've got bills and they got that stuff And then I watched it last night I was with about 50 young people that I graduated from Bible college about 10 years ago And they're all sitting there and many of them are still at it and they're like Pastor Paul it was like we were living on mac and cheese and we were totally living on ramen noodle It's difficult any of you have started a startup business You know what it's like to hit that 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 difficult phase Where maybe you win and you lose and you go forward and you go back and when it comes to this thing called life Hell wants to rob you of the of the joy of what it is for you to realize that God has made you for a reason And that you can make a difference and he wants to take your crown He wants it. He wants you to ring out. He wants you to give up. But that's not who we are here today, amen? Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 reads like this. Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 14 reads like this. But on the judgment day, Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show a person's work if a person's work has value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. You can have an entire warehouse of straw. And I can take one match to it. My pyromaniac middle school boy is alive and well. I can take one match to that thing and I'll burn it right to the ground. But you could have an ounce of, of gold. And it doesn't matter. Although the heat will melt that gold, it still will be an ounce of gold. It comes through the fire. Are you living things that, for, that Christ never died for? Are you, are you satisfied with just knowing God and finding freedom and even maybe discovering, oh yeah, I'm really good at this, or have you dialed in to the fact that God wants to use your life to make a difference for eternity? That there's more that God not only wants for you, but there's more that God expects from you. I think sometimes with my life I'm tone deaf Hell rings the bell for a thousand different reasons, right? Like, I'm not going to clang this thing. It's too early, and I only have one coffee in me. (laughs) Every year, like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, pastor. Thank you, Jesus. But he wants you to ring out on your marriage. You never should have married him. You never should have married her. They don't really understand you. They've made your life worse. Just ring out. Hell wants you to ring out on your children. They'll never be different. They'll never change. You've done your part. Just let them go. Just ring out. Hell wants you to ring out on serving. Listen, you work hard. You come to church to get refreshed. Why do you have to walk up and hold a basket or shake somebody's hand or, or say, hey, you, you, why? just, just ring, out. You don't, ring out on serving. You don't need to do that. Jesus said this when it comes to serving. He said, The greatest among you will be servant of all. You don't have to worry about missions. You work hard. You love the Lord. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to give. You know what? There's an incredible verse that puts together all of this in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19. Let me read it to you. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Yeah, God wants us to enjoy things, but he doesn't want our hope to be in stuff and things. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. So God wants us to serve. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous, willing to share. In other words, to make a difference with your resource. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is true life. Right now, all over that wall and over, all over this world, and last night I was sitting among some of them, there are people that have walked away from everything to bring glory to God. Krista, who was here a couple of weeks ago, is moving into a neighborhood where she is completely surrounded by Muslims. That girl could totally be incredibly successful. In fact, she was offered an opportunity to join a church called James River in Springfield, Missouri. It's a church of 20,000 people. Young Bible college students would be fighting over each other to get in that place. You know what she did? She said, nope, I'm going to the mission field. But it's easy to look at those kind of things and kind of put that on people that are serving there. The question is this, what's your mission field? Where has God put you? What difference does God want you to make? Because you were born for a reason. God wants to use you, he wants to use the who of who you are to make an eternal difference in this world. As your pastor, I'm pleading with you that God would put the word eternity across both of your eyelids so that every time you closed your eyes, Eternity. Eternity. This world is not your residency. Our citizenship is not of this world. It makes about as much sense to fill a hotel on vacation with new furniture than it does for us to completely make our life about this life. And many of you in this church have gotten that. Last year when when I came here, we were giving a, a portion of money to missions. The, a couple of years back, we went to forty five thousand and then we went to eighty five thousand and then we went to a hundred thousand. and then we we aimed for this year for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. We'll probably make about a hundred thousand dollars. And by the way, we we all of this money that's coming in is not coming in to change the carpet and to change the paint. Um, can't get done soon enough for me either but but like that money is coming in and it's going out and making a difference in places all over the world and many of you have dialed into that but does, what does God want from you again this year? What does God want from us? He wants us to make an eternal difference not just with our serving but with our resource but sometimes I'm tone deaf I don't want to hear like this is what I want for you. I've got this great idea of what my life should be like, what I should be doing with it, how much I should be making, how much I should be saving. But most of my life, God comes in and says, you know what? I wanna do this with you, Paul. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing, instead of dreaming about going here and doing this, could you, could you dwell where you're at and work at that that's before you and just show this world the gloriousness of who I am in the context that I've placed you. And every time, every day, every single one of us have to constantly pray that prayer, Lord, not my will, your will be done. Every Bible college student that I watched through the years went through there and they all had dreams of being famous music leaders and famous speakers and everybody has their idols of what it looks like and all that and then what happens, they leave and they get the lesson that it's not about us, it's about him and most of them disappear into obscurity for a long period of time. And if you're willing to go into the backside of the desert if you're willing to be a nobody, you'll watch people rise up from the ash and dust, from, an, from a season of suffering, from a season of sacrifice, and all of a sudden you'll look and be like, oh my gosh, that person is a star for eternity. God, they're glorifying God with their life. They did that because they made a small momentary decision. They said, I'm not gonna fantasize about the there and the then like we do with I wanna get a Winnebago and see all of the all of the national parks in the country and I want to have a home in Bolivia and I want to have X amount of dollars well, that would be awesome but what if God is saying I want you to do this with that will you honor me will you make a difference are you willing to be plain old you are you willing for all of the glory to me all of the attention to be mine and none of it yours. Because I believe with all of my heart and eternity, people like us that make decisions like this, there will be all kinds of famous people tripping all over each other, and one of the angels from heaven is gonna say, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, hey, Alicia. They're gonna say, come with me. There's a chair right there that's been reserved for you. And everybody's going to be like, wait a second. That that—that was, I served God my whole life. I, like, that's, yeah. But she made a difference. Do you get the point? Do you get the point? You were made to make an eternal difference. I can't tell you what that is. I can't cheer you into it. I sure can't shame you into it. But the problem is, is that, The bell can sometimes be like a dog whistle. It's not even in the pitch. We're not even hearing it. Do you hear the ringing? You know what? There's a famous poem called For Whom the Bell Tolls. I always wondered what that meant. What was that about? Whenever a person died in a village, back in the day, before there were trains, planes, and automobiles, churches were the center of life in every community. And whenever somebody died, they would ring the bell. I won't do it. Haven't had my other coffee yet. I won't do that to you. Second service I'm going to torture them. But each year that that person lived they would ring it. So if you heard 50 rings, they're like, "Oh my goodness, Michael just passed away." And the people would come to the village. And they would gather together, they'd comfort the family. Sometimes it rang 3 times, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, their poor baby girl, she's gone." But the point Ernest Hemingway turned it into a book. C.H. Spurgeon turned it into a sermon, but an original pastor back in the 1600s said, to whom does the bell toll? It tolls for you. You know what? Every beat of your heart is the funeral procession of your life. You are not here forever. You are not promised tomorrow. You are living on borrowed time and breath that has been given to you from heaven and God saying to you, don't waste your life. Don't live for things in this temporal world that I died for to make a difference in eternity. There's a, uh, there's a famous story. You know, to, to take all of this and say, well, okay, Pastor Paul, I totally get it, you're pounding away at like, be eternal, be eternal, be eternal, you know? I haven't gone to Bible college, I haven't, like I don't feel called to ministry or whatever, like what am I supposed to do? How does this relate to me? I'll I'll tell you in a couple of different ways here. First is this. (laughs) It's through a story of an auction once. There was an auction, and there was a violin, an old dusty violin that was was for, for sale. And the auctioneer took it. He didn't think much of it. It looked pretty frail, fragile. He went up, blew the dust off of it, Nobody in the room was really there for the violin. They were in there for famous pieces of art. But they just figured, we'll just put it out there. And so they said to themselves, they said, okay, we're going to start the bidding. They realized the bar was really low. And they were like, "Uh, $5, $5. Do I have $5? Someone goes, $5. It's like, "Um, $6. Do I have $6? $6. Someone goes, $6. And it was at that point, all of a sudden, a gentleman from the crowd got up and walked forward. And as he walked forward, and the, the bidding for this violin was like so minuscule, he picked it up, he tuned it. Everybody's looking at this guy like, what in the world are you doing? Like, this is an auction. Who do you think you are? But he grabbed it, and he set his bow to it, and he began to play a tune. As As he continued to play that song, everybody in the room, their jaw just dropped. They thought this was a piece of garbage. They thought it was trash bound. They thought that it was worth $5, $6. The auctioneer gets up and all of a sudden he goes this. Can we start the bidding at $500? $500. Somebody raises their hand. $500. Can we have $600? Six, do I have six? dollars I have $600. $700. $700. Continued until it went up to $1,500. Why? It's because it was the touch of a master's hand. Thank you, Steva. Everybody all of a sudden just shed a tear. (laughs) We do this to illustrate this point. You're that violin. You might have others looking at you and say, six dollars, six dollars, seven dollars, seven dollars. It's worn out with drugs. It's worn out with two marriages. It's worn out with just letting it go. And they look at you and they say, not valuable. But the second that Jesus walks into your life and you put your life into the hands of the master, he will perform a crescendo that is a masterpiece. Because your life and your purpose is making a difference when you commit your life to Jesus. Maybe it's Bible college, but most of us it won't. But God hasn't called just Bible college people to ministry, in fact, he's called Bible college people to train us to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, you are the church. You are the ones that make a difference. That is the point. And if you let your life sit in the hands of the master the way that he chooses, if you allow him to play the music that he wants, it'll be so much more beautiful and so much more greater than you ever could have done with your own life. I want to surrender my life afresh and anew into the hands of the master. I don't care if nobody knows who I am. I don't care if I don't do anything famous. I don't care if I just have an ordinary average life. You know why? Because it was never about me. It was always about him. A life that's in the master's hand when it's being used for its talents, people look at it and don't say, what a great instrument, what a great song, what a great person, what a great pastor, what a great, what a great friend, what a great servant. No, they look at it and they say, what a great God. What a great God. All the attention goes up. I want to close and just ask some of the team or any of the team that's here to just come up. We don't have to do, we, yeah, we could just do that. But there's a, there's a clip, a video clip that I embedded in your notes here and I, I highly recommend you type that in and search it. It's a seven minute video and it's been titled Seven Minutes That Changed a Generation. It was actually my generation. The speech was by a man by the name of John Piper and the title of his speech was Do Not Waste Your life. In fact, it's a book. And in that story, he talks about what's a tragic life, what's a tragedy. And he said, he said let me tell you about a tragedy. He said there are two, two women that were missionaries. They were, they were um, They were nurses and they went to a place among the poor and among the sick in cambodia and they wanted to let jesus be realized in an obscure part and poor part of the world and so they they packed their bags they went over there And one day the two of them were driving one was 50 one was 61 and as they came and turned a corner the brakes gave way the car flew off of the 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 road went down in a cliff exploded killed the two women instantly and He says in his speech and i'm telling you you got to listen to it he says in his speech he says this he says is that a tragedy is that a tragedy he says it to his church is this a tragedy i mean oh my goodness their lives were just taken from them no they didn't have their lives taken from them they laid down their lives they found their purpose and they made a difference for the glory of god he says let me read to you a tragedy he talks about two teachers in the northeast one of 51 and one of 59 and they retired early and they go down into florida and they have a 30 foot trolling boat and every day they go out and they 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 gather shells along the shore and they just love their life and he says he says the two women that died that's not a tragedy he goes this is a tragedy He says can you picture them in the day that they stand before the judge of their soul the judge of their life where God says what did you do with what I gave you and they're like Lord here's my shell collection Lord look at my look at my 30-foot boat and listen we read in that verse, God gives all these things for our enjoyment and our pleasure. But the question is, is are we leveraging what God has given us and the talents that he's given us and the resource that he's given us for eternal purpose? Or are we just shelling out enough to appease our conscience? Are we serving enough to appease our conscience? Or does God have a greater purpose for you, an eternal purpose? Because there is nothing like you being used by God to see somebody change forever. There are going to be people that you're going to be in eternity that are going to come up to you and say, thank you for not living a self-centered selfish life I'm here because you took the time to visit me in the hospital I'm here because you took the time to open up your home and have a small group I'm here because I hated church and I was totally skeptical of it and I was burnt from it and when I walked in that building you shook my hand and you said hello and you actually meant it and I'm here because of you what's a tragic life well I'll tell you what a difference is Difference is found in a story of a young boy. He's on the shore in the beach in the same place in Florida. And all over the shore are tons and tons of starfish. And the little kid's running around frantic saying, oh, my goodness. And he's throwing these starfish back in the water. Can you? Oh, my goodness. He starts screaming, somebody, please help me. Somebody help me. And he he keeps frantically doing this old gentleman, wiser gentleman. He's walking along. He's like, little boy, he goes, what in the world are you doing? He goes, you have to help me. Every one of these starfish, they're gonna die if you don't get them back in the water. He goes, they're out of the water. We gotta get them back in. Help me, please, help me. And the guy's looking at the kid. He's like, well, he's just not wise. He just doesn't know. He goes, he goes oh kid. He goes, with all of these starfish, are you really gonna make a difference? And the boy's head just kind of dropped and the reality of what he said was struck him. And he's it's like, all of a sudden, he got this smile on his face. And he picked up one of them. And he grabbed it. He says, you see this one? Throws it back in. He goes, made a difference for that one. He said, watch this. He goes over to the guy. He says, you see this one? See this one? Throws it back in. Splunk. Just made a difference for that one. He said, see this one? Picked one up threw it back and he says, made a difference for that one, made a difference for that one, made a difference for that one. And then all of a sudden, the old man that was trying to speak wisdom into his heart and his life, all of a sudden got down in the sand and began chucking starfish after starfish after starfish with the boy until they called it a day. Listen, you might feel like you don't have value and worth But God looks at you and says, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. I have eternal purpose for your life. You don't have to be fancy. It was never about you. It was never about me. It was never about your talent. It was never about your money. It was never about any of that. It was about the fact of God wanting to use you to make a difference for eternity, the way that he made you. Because he has a purpose for your life. And he wants you to leverage that to make a difference. Hell wants you to ring out. Hell wants you to ring out. Hell wants you to ring out. Ring out on your marriage. Ring out on your serving ring out on your giving. Just do enough to just totally make your conscience feel okay. Just do enough so that, you know, you don't have anyone on your back, but you really don't have any burden on your life. Just, Just ring out, just ring out. You worked hard and there's something inside of you like Ecclesiastes 3.11 that says that he has put eternity in your heart. There's something about 1 Corinthians where you know, and 2 Corinthians where you know that one day you will stand before the God of all this earth, the judge of your life, and he's going to ask you the question, what did you do with what you have did you draw attention to yourself did you make it about you did you hide in a corner and make it not about you or did you take like the person with the talent and took one talent and turned it into two or five talents and turned it into ten or ten talents and turned it into a hundred because god wants your life to matter for eternity stand with me this morning father right now in the name of jesus Lord, I pray that you would help us to know not just our purpose, but you would help us to see how our life can make a difference. There are so many people in this room, Lord, so many people in this room, every single one of them, you wanna make a difference for eternity through them. You wanna make a difference through eternity with them. God, in the name of Jesus, I ask, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak purpose and vision. In Jesus' name. I want to just invite you here this morning. If you're here and you're just saying, I just want to, I just want—I would like someone to pray with me here this morning. I invite you to come up and we'd like to pray with you here briefly. That God, listen, you might be here and you might be saying, you know what, Pastor Paul, I just totally, I totally feel like that violin. I totally don't know my, per- I just feel, I don't feel valuable. You know what, God, you just, you have no idea how, invaluable you are to God. You might be saying here this morning, Pastor Paul, God is putting his finger on something. You'd never even know what it is, but God's putting his finger on something. Come up here this morning. Find a place and kneel and just say, God, here's my life, not my will. Your will be done in Jesus' name. I just release you at this time. If you want to come up and pray, we'd love to pray with you. If you you just hold still for a few moments here, I'm going to ask some of the people that are In Bible college, some of the leaders, if you come up and you just grab a moment here to pray with a couple that come forward, amen? Amen, thank you.